Welcome to Rema Faith Radio. Now, it's been about 2,000 years now that Jesus obtained the fullness of his name. But you know something? He hasn't used it once. Not once. He hasn't needed to use it. Why hasn't he used it? Well, as a second person of the Godhead, he rules creation by his word. He hasn't needed to use his name. He rules creation by his word. So the question is this. Why did he then obtain that name? Welcome to Rema Faith Radio. Right now, here's Reverend Talks with today's message. We know in Acts chapter 13, verse 33, the Bible says that God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, uh, by raising up Jesus from the dead, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So we see from there that the day Jesus inherited the greatness of his name was the day he was raised from the dead. Yes, I know, when he was to be born, the angel appeared and said, His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But you see, the greatness of that name, the fullness of that name, was achieved through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, talking about the fact that he inherited that name, and that God said, the day Jesus was raised up from the dead, according to Acts 13.33, that God said that, This day have I begotten thee. What exactly does that mean? I thought it was the day Jesus was born as a baby in a manger. Really, this is it. You see, when Jesus came on the earth, all that happened was he took upon himself a physical body. As God, he has no beginning. He always existed. The Bible says in Micah 5, 2, that his goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting to everlasting. So as God, he has no beginning. But you see, he came as a baby. He was born in that manger. He lived amongst us. Uh, he whipped the devil in every encounter he had with him, with the word of God. And ultimately, the very purpose for which he came was to destroy the works of the devil. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And how exactly did he go about making that a reality? By going to the cross. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin, talking about God the Father, has made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus hung on that cross, he was made sin for us. Our sin nature was laid upon him. He partook of it. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Jesus destroyed the devil through death. Now, what death was it? Was it just dying physically? Now, the truth is that Jesus' body was just like Adam's body was before the fall. Adam had a perfect human body, just like Jesus did, because he's the second Adam and the last Adam. Adam's body was neither mortal nor immortal. It was a perfect human body. That was what Jesus had as well. And um, if Jesus had not been made sin and partaking of spiritual death in his spirit, his body could not have been mortal. So Jesus actually died spiritually on the cross. Now, did he become a sinner? No, he did not. But God laid our sin nature as well as our sins. God laid them upon him. And then Jesus got separated from the Father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus began to 
uh, pray. And he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass over me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he was under such intense pressure that he began to sweat blood. So those capillaries might have busted or something. And he, his, his sweat was drops of blood. That was some pressure. Now, what cup was it? Was it the cup of the physical beating? Well, I think not. It was the fact that he was about to drink the cup of God's wrath. It was the fact that everything that spiritual death had made man, he was about to take it on. So something, his humanity recoiled against that. He was going to be separated from the Father. He was going to be uh, made sin for humanity. Remember, the Bible says in Psalm 22, he said, I'm but a worm and no man. In John 3, 14, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, on that cross, Jesus had become one with fallen humanity in our fallen state. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus partook of spiritual death on that cross. He got separated from God because of us. And of course, people who are separated from God, who die physically, where do they go? They go to hell. So that's where he went after he died physically. Remember he had said that as um, Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and nights. He said in the same way, the son of man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and nights. So which is what happened. Jesus was right there. He paid the price and he suffered in our stead until he paid that price in full. Then the time came when God the Father looked from the banisters of heaven and said, it's enough. It's enough. He has satisfied the claims of justice. He has met the demands of the law. And Jesus was declared righteous right there in hell. He was made alive. The life of God was imparted into his spirit. That's why Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren, the first begotten of the father. That was the day. That was the moment the father begat him. And then he was raised up physically from the dead and arose. And you see, in that work, he inherited by virtue of being the firstborn son, by virtue of being the son, amen, being born uh, from the dead. He inherited every single thing that the father had, including that name. The greatness of that name. So inherited it from God the Father. If we're going to measure the greatness of the name of Jesus, we can only measure it in terms of the greatness of the power of God, the greatness of God's ability. If you want to have an idea of how great that God's power is, well, just look in the book of Genesis, the first two, three chapters of Genesis, uh, or just go out in the night and just look at the clouds and look at the entire universe. And we're told that this thing is still expanding so much that the part of it that we see is just the tiny part of all of it. See, that gives us an idea of God's ability, of what God can do. But you see, the power that God exhibited in the resurrection of Christ was much more than uh, the power that was at work in creation. So the greatness of that power can only be measured by the power of God, the creator God Almighty. He inherited that name as the Son. You know, because Hebrews 1 4 says he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than the angels. So he obtained the greatness of his name by inheritance. He also obtained the greatness of his name by conquest. By conquest. Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show 
of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Another translation says, having put away from himself principalities and powers. Another says, having disarmed principalities and powers. Another says, having brought to naught principalities and powers. Another says, having stripped principalities and powers. These are different translations. So Jesus brought the devil to naught. Jesus defeated him. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, Rutherham's translation of that 15th verse says, in order that through death he might paralyze him that held the dominion of death, that is the adversary. So Jesus paralyzed the devil. He paralyzed him. He stripped him of that authority. He stripped him of that dominion. He disarmed him and left him bare for the church to trample upon. Are you listening to me? So we've got the greatness of that name. Jesus obtained the greatness of that name, first by inheritance, second by conquest. He conquered Satan. He defeated Satan. You see, there's a Bible-sized God and the Bible-sized devil. The Bible size of God is that he's almighty. He's the omniscient one, the omnipotent one, the omnipresent one. Amen. He's infinite. He's beyond what our natural minds could grasp. What about the devil? The Bible size of the devil is that he has been brought to nothing. Jesus brought him to nothing. He's, a, he's Mr. Nothing. In 1 Corinthians 2, 6, the Bible says, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, them that are mature, not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. The dethroned powers, one translation says, that rule this world. Well, if they are dethroned, how come they are still ruling in this world? Because this world doesn't know the devil has been dethroned already. Listen, he has been dethroned. He has been deposed. He has been stripped of his authority. He no longer has that authority. Amen. He doesn't have dominion over the church. Instead, the church has dominion over him because Jesus conquered him. The Bible knows of no other Satan other than Satan, the eternally defeated one. He is eternally defeated. He is whipped. The person who is behind those tests that you face, the person who is behind those trials, the person who is behind those adverse circumstances is the person I'm talking about. Is the one that Jesus brought to naught. So yes, Jesus obtained the greatness of his name by inheritance. Secondly, obtained the greatness of his name by conquest. Thirdly, he obtained the greatness of his name by bestowal. Now in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5 through to 11, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. It says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of his servant, and was made in the likeness of men. It says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It says, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings on earth, of things or beings under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus demonstrated exceptional humility and obedience. And the Father bestowed the greatness of that name upon him. You see, that name has all authority. That name has all might. That name has all dominion. 
Every single thing that God is, every single thing that God has, and everything that God could ever be in our growing knowledge of him is in that name. The name of Jesus is backed by deity. Amen. Someone said this. He said, to say that Jesus was but a good man is to tell a lie. To say he was the highest expression of deity in humanity is to throw the lie in his face. That Jesus either was or was not what he declared himself to be. Now remember, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. The Bible says of him that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you see, and it says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1, verse 1 and verse 14 says, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the deity of the man of Galilee is the crux of Christianity. If this can be successfully challenged, then Christianity will lose its heart and it will cease to function. But thank God, he's deity. He's exactly what he declared himself as. He's the second person of the Godhead. As God, he has no beginning. And for the redemption of mankind, he was made sin for us. He was made a curse for us. Our diseases were laid upon him. Our poverty was laid upon him. And he bore it all. He paid the price for our redemption and he paid it in full. And he arose from the dead. Amen. Over triumphant, over death, hell and the grave. And he left us his name. He gave the church a legal right to use that name. And the power is in the name. The authority is in the name. And the church has a right to use it. Now Jesus said something. He said in Matthew 18 verse 20. He said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, there I am in the midst of them. See, Jesus is one with his name. Do you want to know your purpose in life? Do you want to learn balanced biblical teachings? Are you hungry for more but confused about where and how to satisfy the longing in your heart? Are you uncertain about what next steps to take in life? We have good news for you. At Kenneth Higgins Rema Bible Training Center, Nigeria, we help believers learn God's word to live a successful and victorious life. Discover and walk in God's plan for their lives and get prepared for the ministry with campuses in Abuja, Putakot, Nasarawa, Kaduna, and Lagos. RBTC is now open for April 2021 school intake. To apply, contact us on 090-3484-1366. The number again, 090-3484-1366 or 080-7657-6163. The number again, 080-7657-6163. You can also visit our website on www.remanigeria.com forward slash apply online. Turn on your passion.